The Big Money Podcast. It's your window into outlier stocks and what really moves markets. Don't follow the news. Follow the big money. You'll hear us talk about how big money leads us to the best outlier stocks and how it impacts financial markets. Here's a look through the lens of how we see stocks, markets, and life. The Big Money Podcast. We are live. We are recording. Episode four. Hello, Mr. Downey. Hello, Mr. Bodner. How is it going to be a you? different hat every time? Are you hiding ball? No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. These, this is actually the same hat. I just honestly, I feel like I don't need to make my hair, you know? Yeah. It's COVID. Why look good for anybody? Listen, be at home. Enjoy yourself. It's sunny outside. That's how I do it. Yeah. You know what? It rained for about 15 straight days here. And suddenly yesterday, Monday was the first sunny day when, you know, my wife's got to go back to work. The kids are back at school. So uh, I I too want to get outside, but um, listen, this is kind of like the stock market, right? You get a few rainy days, then it starts to be a little sunny. And and that's, what's cool about today, right? We're at episode four. It's October 27th, 2020. We're going to talk about something that a lot of people reach out about. You and I talk about this all the time. And it's identifying an outlier stock early in their life cycle and why that's important. A lot of good stuff there. Let's be honest. That's what we set out to do. That's what we quit our jobs for to go pursue, to figure out how to pick all those stocks. When, when CNBC would have a slide and say, so-and-so stock was up 300% for the year. Like that's what we wanted to figure out how to find. That's what I told my wife, honey, we're going to go do a business to find great stocks. (laughs) (laughs) Not advisable to anyone listening to this podcast. Yes beware of the wife. Um, no, but here we are six and a half years later. So I, I think that's a pretty fair testament to uh, setting a goal, achieving it, accomplishing it, pushing it forward. But, um, you know, while we're on the subject of identifying those outliers early in the cycle, you know, I just want to draw attention to the outliers paper that we have, that white paper. And if you remember um, it's a good white paper on the if website. You remember, yeah, there was a a portion in there where we checked to see the top uh, twenty five stocks of the S and P five hundred every year for thirty years. So the top twenty five stocks is five percent. How many of those did our process identify? Early, And when we say early, we mean, you know, 90 plus percent of the annual gains. And mm-hmm. the way we identify these stocks, of course, is we look for that big money signal. And when they float to the top and all those things, uh, what did that paper find? If you remember, we found an average of 13 of the 25 stocks every single year for 30 years. Right, right. And, and what's cool about that is that's a back test, right? 
Right. Yes. But Sorry. I, since I we've been, but since we've been in business doing this live, if you were, the stats are still relatively the same, if not better than catching 50% of those uh, of the top 5% of the S and P 500. So basically the juice is in this process, right? It's, it's following the big money, which is what we set out to do. So, yeah. Sorry. I was listening to you. I just had to text my wife. She was calling saying, I'm having a conversation with my boy here. I got to call you. Listen, listen, tell her she's got to, she's got to hold up. So, so what stock are we going to talk about? I think there's been so many outliers Mm. that we've uh, focused on that we've found the, the cool thing about outliers in our data is that they continue to reoccur. They continue to reappear in this top 20 report. And, And again, this, Report is generated by looking at all of the big money signals that we see on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. ranking them with the map signals ranking system. So it's a yeah. scoring system. Take the top 20 of those, throw away all the rest. We don't care about the rest. We only want the juice, right? Yeah. That so, little list is, is very, very powerful. So, yeah, to your point, let's just think about it conceptually, right? Every day, we look at our universe of 5,500 plus stocks. That list changes every day, but let's call it 5,500. You'll hear us toss around the number 5,000, 5,500, et cetera. That's that's our universe of stocks that we look at to see, can we find big money moving in and out of it? Basically every stock, but no, no penny stocks. No penny stocks, no, you know. And out of those stocks, we filter out one layer further and say, how many stocks can big money accounts move in and out of without really impacting the stock? Because when we filter that world into now 1,400 stocks, then when we do see something unusual, we know we got to pay attention. So the funnel you know, gets a little narrower. Now out of those 1,400 stocks on any given day, we get about 100 signals. On average, it's about 65 buys, 35 sells over the course of, you know, the last 15 plus years. So that's what happens every day. We get 100. We gather all those up at the end of the week and we strip out the ones that repeated every single day. Maybe Microsoft happened every single day, for example. Uh, And then instead of having five instances, we only have one now. Um, Now we have 300 stocks that accumulated signals during the week out of 5,500, right? It's still a very small percentage. Small. And we, we rank them top to bottom to find the 20 best. It's just separating out the best of the best. Now to your point, Luke, when they appear week after week, that means big money is continuing to flood into this stock and it ranks high. So whether it's every consecutive week or once every four weeks or, you know, yep. 10 times a year, whatever it is, the higher the instances that these things are happening, the more powerful the signal. So right. that's, I, you know, I just wanted to clarify that's what we're talking about. And, 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 and a, I, I really want to interject here because it might seem like that's a lot of stuff. That's so many stocks. It's a hundred and then there's 300 and then you're whittling it down. There can obviously be noise in all of those lists, right? Because you're going to get some stocks that just appear based on 
random events, random things that are happening. But our map 50 is really what kind of isolates the ones that recur. And, and, and that really looks at the past six months, looks at the 50 stocks that see the most big buying activity. So the, whenever we talk about recurring, it's the names that just continually show up on these reports, whether it's month after month, week after week, whatever, those are the ones you really want to focus on. And one of those we'll be focusing on today. Yeah. And the more times they occur, the closer they get to that outlier status, right? Right. Just like going back to our sports analogy. And yes, I mean, I'm a hockey guy, but Wayne Gretzky for all of sports, he was like Joey Burrow last year for college football. It was just, you have the entire hockey league and then Wayne Gretzky, you know, way above, but how did he get there? It wasn't just one time, right? Mm -hmm. It was a repeated constant outperformance better than everybody else every year every season so it was an accumulation of wins so when we look for outlier stocks especially on that map 50 report you're talking about you know we're not looking for the ones that appeared one time out of the last right. six months we want the ones that appeared 15 20 times because they keep getting bought and there's a reason yeah um, so to your point, yeah, there's a lot of layers and funnels and numbers. What are we doing? We're sticking everything into a big, massive meat grinder. And then we get a very little, small sample of ultra high quality stuff on the other end. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. And I think that this makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, that's how you identify outliers after the fact, but there are certain ingredients that a lot of the great companies that we know today that have become just mammoth successes, what types of characteristics did they have? You're right. And those are the types of traits that I'm looking for. You're looking for that not only can change lives, but they can really make a, a big P in a, a P and L graph. <laughs> yeah. I think to your point, we just went over. Yeah. Great. You told me about the ones that are, potential outliers of the future, but have already exhibited all these great signals. But you just told me that you catch them early. So how do you do that? That's what really what we're talking about today. Right. Um, and I think a lot of that boils down to our collective process, right? Sure. I've always been the quant guy, stick it in boxes, you know, measure it, yes or no, or good, better, best, or however you can qualify a little piece of data. And then in the aggregate, you get some report card grade. And you've always been the one who looks at things and the, you can see the wheels turning <laughs> and there's something going there on. Might and you're just like, be one wheel up there. <laughs> the one wheel. The, the little one wheel. <laughs> um, the, the overlaying of those two approaches eventually what led to the model is basically what I'm saying. So whereas I'm actually looking at the same stuff you're looking at, where we might be looking at it in a slightly different way, all that gets programmed into this system, which spits it out. So I think now is a good time to start, you know, let's, let's go over the, the stock we want to talk about. Um, yep. And that is solar edge 
uh, the ticker is SEDG. Ah, great, great, great stock. And yeah. when you talk about, you know, putting out a funnel and, 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 and trying to really be deliberate about the stocks that are spit out, it reminds me, you know, if you ever go fishing and you have like a fishing guide with you, they, I, I went uh, fishing once. You, you've done fishing, <laughs> and I think you have a fishing hat that you could probably bring yeah, next should week. Should I go but, get um, it? I, I don't think you need to get it. But the point is, is like if you're out with a guide, oftentimes they're going to have some type of a, a Garmin device or a GPS device. They're not going to go fishing when there's no fish. They're literally going to be looking at this, um, basically a screen that they can actually go in and actually see the fish that are biting. And that's what we're trying to do every single day is, you know, where are we going to find that, that, that great big fish? I, I think it's a really cool analogy that you bring up because nowadays we use Garmin's and echolocation and all those, you know, fancy technologies, but you also got the guys down on the bayou or wherever that have been doing this in their bones for 40, 50 years. They don't need, they, they probably laugh at the technology. That is so true. Yes. And I went fishing once when I was a kid, my dad took me on a trip. I lived here in Florida as a young eight-year-old boy and the Bahamas was 45 minutes away by plane. So we got on this little seaplane at the time, it was the oldest airline in the world called Chalks Airlines. It was a propeller plane. And they had the safest record too, no crashes, because <laughs> it was a seaplane. If you had to go down, you went down on the water. That's a um, good one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we went looking for this guy, a fishing guide, anyone. And we found this guy. We said, who's the best? And his name was Bonefish Willie. Bonefish Willie. Why? He was the guy to find bonefishes. Um, it's a certain type of fish that swims in the Bahamas. And uh, he was so good at it that, okay, I'm just letting you know my dogs might bark in a little while. I just got a text from my son that says he's on his way home. So we might get an interruption. Just wanted to throw it out there. He was so good at finding these fish. How did he do it? He said he would look at the surface of the water, maybe a hundred yards away and look for little disturbances on the surface, little bubbles. There was no GPS. There was no mm -hmm. Garmin. There was no, you know, technology. But point is, if I had to, you're kind of the guy to have that instinctual feel. Bonefish. But man. I'm the guy to have the Garmin. So together it's, it's really interesting. And, um, I just wanted to riff on that fishing analogy because when it comes to this one stock, we both looked at it. The system found it, right? The computers. Yep. The net caught it, right? The net caught it. And then I looked at it, looking under the hood, looking at the numbers, and you looked at it through your perspective. And this is what hopefully people tuning in want to know how you find those stocks early on. This is a great example. So it was these two different views coming from the system, drew our attention to it. And um, I don't know if you have the slide available, but I was giving a talk. I was asked to go, uh, you know, teach people about our system and, and explain the importance of big money to it was called the Palm Beach Traders Association. It was a small group of enthusiasts, people who loved trading and loved hearing about new techniques. 
and I put them up on a screen one day. It was, I think it was April 11th, 2017. And it was a copy of our top 20 report, right? Right. And I was like, these are the computer generated list every week, big money buying the best stocks. I want you all to focus on this stock. And I circled one with the pen, uh, you know, the laser pointer. And it was SolarEdge. And I believe, I'm not mistaken, it was $14.54 on April 11th, 2017. It, it was definitely sub 20 bucks. Yeah. For sure. And I pointed out, hey, look, it's got this great fundamental score, which means it's growing its sales, it's growing its earnings, it's beating analysts' expectations. They got cash. They don't have tons of debt. All these things you want to see. And then I said, look at the technicals. It's making new highs on increasing volume. There's money flooding into it. Oh, by the way, we got a bunch of signals recently. To me, that's what it was. Um, and, you know, you might, and I know you did, you looked at that stock and you went and you looked at the actual numbers. You know, why don't you discuss a little bit about what made that stick out to you? I remember specifically, I like to listen to earnings calls. I like to see some of the, the earnings that, that come out just across the board. And specifically, if you're going to look for outliers, I think there's two sectors where I have found that they are, are relatively common. One is technology. I think that makes a lot of sense with just the exponential growth that's happening there. And then also the discretionary space. So anything that touches a lot of people. Um, I think that um, you're going to have a, a better chance of success. But I remember specifically SolarEdge had these earnings and you know I had some type of a screen that was up on my, uh, I guess, computer at the time, but it was telling me I was going through all the earnings and SolarEdge at that time, analysts expected X and they came out and it was something that we've talked about before on the podcast, where it was so much larger than analyst expectations that the stock immediately had to re-rate. So a simple example is they were expected to uh, do $100 in revenue and they did maybe $150. So it was just like totally they caught, outside. All the analysts got caught with their pants down is what you're saying. Got caught with their pants down. And then again, the cherry on top is that their guidance for the year or for the next quarter. Mm. The, the street was looking, again, I'll use a silly example, $100. And they say, you know what? We're going to make $200. Um, and I think when that happens, there's a new narrative. There's new information. There is, uh, there's momentum that's happening. And, and if I could put you know three things that I look for early on, in an outlier. And I think that all outliers that have ever come before this had this is they have great fundamentals. Like just, they are a superior company in that they grow their revenues. They grow their earnings. So solar edge happens to be one of those rare, not rare names, but there's a lot of names that are zooming right now that don't have earnings. This one actually makes earnings or right. was making earnings. And Profits it was too. And it was a tiny company. It right. may have been one or two billion, maybe less market cap at the time. So that, you know, it's really interesting what you bring up because you and I have been doing this so long, we can finish each other's sentences, you know. Um, but way back when, 
when we were both learning and growing and sort of expressing our obsession with stocks and how to figure out the market, we went about things slightly different. So let's roll this right back to Solar Edge. What was I doing? I was like, let's look at all the technical action. Where, where's the money flows? How's that work in the options market? Looking at the volatility, all these quantitative things. And hey, I also want to see, are they growing their sales? Are they growing their earnings? But I was looking at it from a historic point of view. You know, like you turned me on to that. I remember you, you like pull up Yahoo Finance, Jay. Look at the revenue for three years ago, two years ago, and one year. Is it going up or is it going down? You know, very yep. simple stuff, but very powerful. But to your point, you take it one step further. You're like, when you find someone who literally comes out and just shatters expectations, and not only shatters expectations of this event, but the forward events too, and everything is forced. You used to always say reprice, and we'd be yep. in meetings, and people like, I don't, what do you mean reprice? You're like, well, if a stock is worth $100 today based on these expectations and they blew it out of the water and the expectations are here, well, it's got to reprice. It's got to move to yeah. its new valuation. And that is why it's so powerful that sometimes, what do we see? We'll come in, we'll see a stock gap up massive on earnings. We saw one do it last week, you know, 30, 40%, billions of dollars of market cap are added sometimes yeah. in, in, a, in a quick hour after we, earnings. We right? like that. We love that. And yeah. you see massive volume and people are sitting, wishing they own the stock. Well, it went up 30%. Why didn't you tell me about it last week? I missed out. And that's actually missing the point. Because yes, you might've missed out on a big move in one day or two days, but most likely it's not falling back to earth. It's, it's got somewhere to be and it's not down. It's right. up. So well, you that, can that, use that as a catalyst to actually give you more confidence to buy a stock, not feel like, oh, I missed out. You could be yeah. like, hey, nobody knew how good things were until today. That gives me even more confidence that this but, is a good stock to buy. It, it could be, I mean- Listen, a price, a stock that is say $50 per share today, and then tomorrow it's 75 share, uh, $75 a share, it might be a better bet buying it after 75 than when it was 50. And I think a lot of people are like, but, but wait a minute, if you would have got it at 50, it was riskier at 50. Yeah. There's new information at 75. This thing's ready to go. The train is leaving the station, folks. Well, it's a very good point too, because you know, what do we, we want high probability trades. So yep. there is a trade-off in everything in life, right? You drive 90 miles an hour, you get there faster, but you have a higher chance of killing yourself along the way. <laughs> right. So it's like when it comes to stocks, yeah, you may have left a 50% overnight gain on the table, but now that you buy it at 75, you have a higher probability that in 10 years from now, it'll be worth 750 or a thousand, you know, that is kind of the logic you and I embraced because 
it's so easy to look at the stock market as like a casino and like, oh, you know, I just want to make some quick wins. But when you look at it as an investment, I'm owning pieces of businesses, solid companies that are doing things the right way. Then it makes sense that out of 5,500 stocks, there's only going to be a handful that are worth your hard-earned money. If it's a casino, you want to play every game and hope to, you know, come out ahead. That's not how we do things. So I think it's really interesting. I've been talking a lot here. I want you to talk some. So that's, listen, that's number one. Does the company have great fundamentals? And if you can think of all the great companies that have ever existed over the decades, they probably made a lot of money. They probably had growing revenues. They probably had fabulous products and they probably had really good uh, leadership. Solar Edge in this example really started to fit the bill in terms of fundamentals. And then also you start to think, you know, what are they doing? They're like solar semiconductor. You know, we're not talking about a hot dog maker here, right? So nothing against hot dogs for anyone out there, but could this be a, 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 an exponential tech play? It just seemed like it totally could have. And I'll say it right now. I wish we would have owned it. We didn't. Yeah. It was one of those that got away, right? The one so, that got away. Yeah. So <laughs> they um, do happen, you know? That's yeah. Happened. But since yeah. we're using it as an example, uh, that is step one. Step one Wait, of the three. Before sure. we move on, though, um, let's clarify. On that particular day, it was sub $20, around 14 and a half, like I said. Where is it trading today? Yeah, I think I looked at it, it was in like 270 range, 280 range, something like that. Okay, Six, so that was- Up 1,600% is what I calculated. three plus years. Three and a half years. Yeah. That is an outlier. And then if we went back and we looked at how many times since that time, it's been on our top 20 report. 40. 40. Which there back you. of the napkin math is of every top 20 report. Since then, 20% of those or more had the stock on it. Hey, I'm just getting a call from my son. Give me two seconds. <sighs> COVID life, kids coming home, you know, got to, got to pick up the phone for the kids. Anyway, 40 times you said back of the napkin math. Back of the napkin math to us over three and a half years. So of all the top 20 reports since then, a little over 20% of those reports had this stock on it. Yeah. So just think about that. One out of five. So again, that reinforces this notion, just like earnings, it blows out earnings once and you feel like you missed it. Well, if it's on the top 20 report once and you feel like you missed it, if it just keeps showing up and showing up and showing, it's like, I'm trying to tell you something here, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. So, I mean, it's it, number one, it's not a fluke. And, and for those that aren't subscribers, all we're talking about is, does it have great fundamentals and is there big money activity? So, um, which brings us to our second point of what you should be looking for in an outlier, a potential outlier. And that would be great technicals. And mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of people talk about technicals and, you know, I don't know a ton about technicals, but there is one thing that I like to look for. And that is a chart that is going up. Yeah. And so great companies over time, over the decades, one thing they have in common generally is that they continue to make 
new all-time highs. And um, this stock is no exception. And, and that's one thing that I look, look for because it's really easy whenever you start investing to look for a deal. I know when I started first investing, I wanted stock charts that were going down. And I found out that, cheaper. that is cheaper. a great way. You're better off donating your money to charity <laughs> because there's a reason that they're going down over, uh, you know, over the long term. I found that you know you need to be focused on stocks for me personally to look for stocks that are going up over time, and there's a reason that they're going up over time. They're just great companies, typically. Now let's let's uh, qualify because a lot of people you'll say it all the time. You want to buy on a pullback, buy on a pullback. Sure, that is a chart that's going down, but I think you need to qualify that. You're looking for the long-term trend up and little potential dips along the way, as right. In so if you were going to be betting on Michael Jordan, apparently there was the flu game. So I'm assuming he was down on that day. That'd be a time to be investing in Michael Jordan. Right. <laughs> and on the flip side, if he had one flu game, you're not going to cut him from the team. All right. Well, the funny <laughs> thing is, is, I think his flu game, he still won and beat everybody. So, But he sucks at baseball. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Oh God. Um, so no, I think that's very important. And look how we view the world. There's technicals and fundamentals. We kind of look at it as mechanics. How is it trading in the market? So we're not doing bear flags and Fibonacci's and retracements and, you know, golden ratios or, or whatever, you know, the technical stuff is we're looking at, really money flows and volatility and where the stock is in strength re related to itself and sectors and indexes and measurements that we can come say, how, how is this stock behaving in the market mechanically? Yep. And then we look at fundamentals almost like the health of the company. Like if you had a patient come into the doctor's office and do a checkup, you know, is it, you know, overweight, doesn't exercise, eats a bunch of bad food, high blood pressure, all these warning signs, or is it fit, lean, you know, sort of just on this upward trajectory in terms of health? It, that's how we look at the world. And um, Sounds like when me. you have both together, plus a big money buy signal, well, automatically from our historical data, that suggests the odds are in your favor of a winning trade. So, so that's number three, right? So number one, again, oh, great did I fundamentals. Skip, skip ahead. Well, listen, we're having a conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Number two, great technicals. However you look at that, I mean, ultimately you want to be looking for things stocks that are going up over time. And then obviously number three is trying to see, is there big money behind it? And why is that important? Well, we think that big money is really smart money um, that have millions and millions of dollars, you know, at their disposal to do the research, to get the meetings, to get all of the insights that regular people, regular Jason and Luke don't have, and so if you have all of those three characteristics put together, great fundamentals, great technicals, and big money is behind it, that is a recipe for potentially finding the next outlier. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, I know I digressed a little bit on the technicals, but just to further hammer that point home, yeah, you want to look for a chart that's going up over time. But we all know stocks go up, they go down. They go up, they go down. Ideally, you want to see more volume, the sticks at the bottom, when it's going up. And when it goes down, that volume comes in and then it goes up on volume. That indicates that there's more money going into it than is coming out of it because you want to see people supporting the stock. You want to see, because sometimes you can see stocks go up on no volume and that's, that can actually be dangerous because you can buy it and it's like a roach motel and then it goes straight down and you can't get out. Um, so from a technical perspective, you want to qualify those technicals. So yeah, on a basic level, you want to see it going up over time. You want to see it going up on bigger volume. You want to see it breaking previous highs, breaking the glass ceiling that was set before it. And then on the fundamental side, why is big money flooding into it? Like you said, are they making money? Are yeah. they growing their earnings? Even if they have positive earnings, are they making a profit? Are they profitable? Are they managing their debt levels? So all of these things, you can see that we get really, really, really picky when it comes and, to picking our stocks. And then I think, you know, the final thing, you know, before we shift gears and we start talking about the market is size the stock up. You know, does this thing have the seeds of greatness or not? You know, right. I mean, like... Sometimes you just know whenever you look at Apple, which I'll be honest, never owned it, wish, wish I would have. But like you can look at the earnings reports. It was straight juice, you know? I mean, and then you look at the and products that they make. It's juice. I what mean, about Tesla? Same story. You and I went and checked it out and I did fell get in that love one. with the car. I did yeah. buy that one. But you, yeah, you no, that, that one. one. We got not. into the car. We got into the car. And I remember saying to myself, my goodness, this is just so amazing. And at the time they were very risky to me because number one, they were not profitable. Right. Mm -hmm. And then number two, it was just like, they had this phenomenal, uh, product, but everybody was so bearish on the stock. I mean, it just seemed like a coin flip. It's like, they're either going to zero or they're going to be, you know, the next home run. So I thought just, you know, making a small investment made a lot of sense. And then now it's like, Thing is a beast. Oh, I did. I did own Tesla synthetically. And we can talk about the one that got away because the <laughs> stock was down heavy. Analysts hated it. I think there was a crash of fire. Tesla catches fire. There was some news. Yeah, yeah. I ran out and I sold a put. For those of you that don't know, a put is an option to sell a stock. So if you sell that put, and it goes below a certain price, you have to own the stock. But for that, you get to take in a premium. So I got paid really well to take the risk to potentially buy the stock lower. It's kind of hoping I had to. And the stock rallied. And I made my $800 or something. But if I had actually bought the stock, I'd be sitting on you know, $10,000, $20,000 worth of gains. So there are lots of ways for them to get away, going back to our last episode. But you would have had to hold though, because I mean, that stock was chopping wood for a number of years. It did very nothing. Very true. Very true. But the point is yeah. these companies 
Apple and their products, Tesla and their products, and companies come along, maybe they exhibit all these great qualities that we're talking about. Great fundamentals, great technicals, health and mechanics, big money flooding into it. And then you look at it. And like you said, maybe they make hot dogs. Okay, maybe that's not so exciting. You know, maybe an example of that these days might be beyond meat because it's new, it's novel, it's got a new product, everyone's getting excited, but it might be really risky right now until it has a chance to prove itself. And that's Mm kind of like a Tesla from a long time ago. We don't know. Good burgers though, I will say that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I haven't had a Beyond one yet, I don't think. No, I barbecued it and I, you know, cut off a few slices for everybody to try and everybody gave it a a thumbs up. So take that for what it's worth. Does it taste like burger or like totally different? I mean, it's a little different, but I mean, it is pretty Put close. it this way. If I said, Hey, I just made a meatless burger. I want, you got to try it. You'd be like, wow. So anywho, hopefully this little um, off spurs topic. some this, little hey, off. Topic. Listen, sorry, little off topic, but, but oh. point remains. There are a few characteristics you look for in a stock and to your last point, size it up. Does it have the seeds of greatness? Can this be a game changer in its industry? Like a Netflix, they changed the game, right? Yep. They were the first big one to start streaming. Now everybody's following, Um, you know, Facebook arguably was the first social media, Google for search. They weren't the first, but they were the best and now they are the best. So You kind of need a lot of things to line up to get an outlier. And Mm -hmm. that's probably why over the course of your investment career for decades, you're only going to get, you know, 40, 50, which is a lot. But on a relative basis of thousands of stocks every year, it's very small. But if you choose wisely and stay committed to them for the long term, those are the ones that can you know, bring loads of juice to your portfolio. Yeah. And, and I would say, you know, you know, we own Netflix, we own Google. The best way to probably try and, and catch some of these stocks early in their cycle is, you know, don't bet on just one, you know, bet on a sleeve of these companies. You don't have to make big investments, you know, something small and, you know, seeds become trees. And so, you're not going to always win. It's just not going to happen. But if you can catch one or two outliers, hold them, it, it can make a tremendous difference in uh, the gains of a portfolio. So, yeah, yeah, and it, and we've seen it time and time again. So, you know, just going back to the process as a whole from a thirty thousand foot view, we're casting a big net over the whole ocean. And we're coming back with just a handful of uncut gems, but odds over the 30 years of our back tests and our live data, the statistics say, you know, we have close to a three out of four chance of seeing that thing rise because we're so selective in our methodology. Now there's no guarantee that continues that way and past Results are not guarantees for future success, you know, disclaimer, but it's all about the process, just doing it over and over and over again and allowing these potential outliers to reveal themselves. And 
like like you said, you never know. So might be worth small bets on on a bunch of them. So let's go ahead. Let's shift focus and start talking about the market. I think I talked so much about this because I didn't want to talk about the market. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a bumpy, choppy landscape, and we're a week away from the election. So it's you know, I our data suggested big money was going to sell ahead of the election and buy after. We got a little bump in October, but since then. You know, yesterday, the market was down two and a half percent, broadly speaking, intraday, caught a little lift by the end of the day. But um, yeah, it's volatile. You know, it's yeah. earnings season. It's election uncertainty. If Biden wins, a certain group of stocks stand to benefit. If Trump wins, the opposite happens and other stocks benefit. So there's very little conviction right now. And we can see that in our data too, right? The data is not very conclusive, but on a, on a grand scheme, if we separate ourselves from looking every single day or even week by week, and we look back over those seven election years out of the 30 years of data, it's a very similar setup that we're seeing. Yeah, no, that's exactly what we're seeing. I mean, you've got the big money indexes is basically range bound. So it's not really doing too much. You look at yesterday's data, so Monday's sell-off, um, at one point the market was down over 2%, and there wasn't a ton of sell signals. There wasn't a ton of volume based on our metrics. So that kind of just tells us that, or at least the way we interpret it, is that it's just a quiet chop, which is the blog post that we had last week. It's it's We expected to be up and down pretty quiet until this election mm -hmm. Uh, happens. And I do fully expect, you know, there's going to be some volume that'll come after that news event. So um, which way it goes, you know, we'll see. Historically, we've seen that uh, big money does tend to buy stocks uh, shortly after an election, whether that's days or weeks, you know, we will find out. But um, it is interesting how eerily quiet it is. And it kind of makes sense ahead of an election, especially one that might be closer than what a lot of people expect too. So, yeah. Yeah. We saw that in 2016 as well, right? There was a foregone conclusion of a winner and the world got shocked. So, I think you and I, we look at data, we don't get caught up in emotion and, and, you know, uh, the feel of the moment. And right now, the data is inconclusive because you have a bunch of polls from different sources citing different things. And quite honestly, I, I personally wouldn't want to bet on the election because uh, I think it will be closer than what is widely accepted right now. And let's relate that back to stocks because if it is closer than what, if the news and the world concluded that Biden were going to win the election and the market believed it, I think we would see less of a quiet shot and more capital being put to work because they've already concluded they know who their winner is. So now that we're seeing maybe a little trepidation, less conviction, chop, uncertainty, that reflects the fact that it's less of a con foregone conclusion than the news would have you believe. So I, I do think that's interesting that you can see it in the data as well. 
Yeah. Well, the good news is no matter what happens, great companies, great stocks are going to continue to do what they do. Just like Wayne Gretzky going to come out. It's going to do awesome things, going to play well. So, you know, it's easy to, you know, focus on, on near-term events and, and try to make a, a call, but over the long term, a lot of this stuff is just going to be smoothed out, or at least I totally believe that. Um, and so probably a couple of months from now, we might, it might be a complete nothing burger. So we'll, well see. Well, yeah, it's interesting because the whole point is we don't sit here. We have indicators like the big money index that help us assess timing in the market and when to deploy capital. But what we're not suggesting you go buy the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones. We want to deploy our capital into outlier stocks, some of which we own that we talked about today, some of which are the ones that got away. But either way, we're not just trying to time the market. We're trying to use market timing to give a, a, a boost to the ability of, of buying outlier stocks either on sale or really trying to determine when a good point is to lighten risk or, or not take on so much risk. But the point is from the viewpoint of outlier stocks, not just the market. So of course, we're going to talk about the market. What's the market going to do? What's this? What's that? But you and I aren't just trying to buy the spies and hang out, right? We want the top 25 stocks out of the spies. We want to pick 13 yeah. of them year after year after year after year. That's what we do. You'll do pretty well owning the spy, at least historically. So, you know, nothing wrong with that. I, yeah. I'm not saying anything's wrong with it, but I want to do better. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Well, with that, I think that's, um, that's buttoned up for episode number four. Did we have any uh, questions that we had to get to? And if we don't, give us some questions so we can sit here and answer we, some of your we've questions. We've been getting a little bit of feedback. People are, you know, they, they wanted to know about outlier stocks, what's a good process, things like that. And um, we got a couple of people who reached out who really had some nice things to say. So they said it was kind of nice to have... Um, two people actually having a normal conversation, breaking down the markets and uh, break it down, break it down. So with yeah, that, so on that note, questions and comments, definitely uh, feel free. Don't be shy, bring them on. And also, you know, if there's a topic you want to hear us riff about related to our data stocks, life, whatever, you know, let us know and um, we'll try and get at it next time. Speaking of, if you're new to the Map Signals family and you haven't checked out our latest white paper, just did a big money index white paper. Should have said this at the beginning of the podcast, but anyway, go to the website, mapsignals.com. You can download it. It's a pretty fun read. We had a, a, lot of, a lot of fun writing it. So that's something that's new that you can check out. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Um, and it's timely because we discuss election cycles, big money index in and out of elections, this election, we still got a week left. So check it out. Anyway, always fun to talk to you at the Love Shack. 
Great to hear that, your voice. Is that the love shack back there? Is that what that's? All I see is shack. Oh, that is that is the love shack. So is the love shack. You need to have love. You need to be happy. And you need to have shack. And that's the secret to life, my <laughs> friend. And you need to have shack. So there you go. All right, man. All right, man. I will see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. And please remember, this broadcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. Investments can carry substantial risks. Before you make a financial decision, you should first consult your financial advisor.